Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now verse 35 from the words, will I, will I praise the Lord? That's what we see, this determination. And we see praise is not a float. Praise is not a drift. You know, when I feel good, then I'll praise the Lord. No, it's a matter of the will. Now, will I praise the Lord? It's not a drift or a float. It's a determination. Now, the other, other amazing thing we read in verse 35 is where it says, and she conceived again and bare a son. The hated Leah bare Judah. Yeah? The most important son that Jacob has, the one who does bring the Messianic line, came from Leah. That's significant. Leah gave birth to Judah. That was clearly God blessing the marriage of Jacob and Leah. We can be sure, if you said those words to Jacob, the marriage of Jacob and Leah, he'd become dizzy. He would be so upset. He doesn't like those. The union of Jacob and Leah, he'd go, oh, I gotta go sit down. That's not good news for him. But God blessed the marriage of Jacob and Leah with the birth of Judah. God blessed the union of Jacob and Leah with the birth of Judah. See, from this unhappy marriage came the Messianic line. God made Leah to bless Jacob with giving him Judah. God made Leah to bless Jacob. God's grace changed the misfortune in this marriage into fortune. There's no marriage so bad and so complicated, but that God can't bring good out of it. And that's why divorce is so wrong. Some marriages today are so very sad. Maybe they're as sad as the marriage between Jacob and Leah. But it's important to stay married because God blesses marriages to stay together. And God hates divorce, and he would rather bless a bad marriage where there's hatred between each other than for that marriage to end up in divorce. And it was Leah who gave the name Judah. That's an important name, Judah. Judah's a noun. Judah is a noun that's turned into a verb, and it's in a particular future tense called the hopeful tense in Hebrew. And so, literally, it means shall be thanked or shall be praised, referring to God. God shall be thanked. God shall be commended. That's what Judah means. See, this is the name that Jews received their beautiful name from, Jews. It's from Judah. And this is what defines a Jew. It's Judah, a Jew or a Judah is a praiser of God. Thank you, Leah, for telling us that. And if you ask two Jews today to define what does it mean to be a Jew, you get three answers. <laughs> You'll never get the same answer. None of them will go back to the meaning of Leah 
and say a praiser of God. No, I'm talking about heritage, you know, all kinds of explanations. But this is the biblical meaning of what a Jew is. A Jew is a praiser of God. This is what defines a Jew, a praiser of God. The greatest praise of God is for his unspeakable gift. Dave was bringing up this morning. In 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. What's the unspeakable gift? No, who is the unspeakable gift? The unspeakable gift is the Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in John 3, 16 through 17, God so loved the world, gave, gave the unspeakable gift. His only begotten son, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, which is what everybody expected, but that the world through him might be saved. A praiser of God is a person who thanks God for his unspeakable gift, the Lord Jesus Christ. God longs for when the Jews will fulfill the destiny of their name and praise God for his unspeakable gift. That's the yearning of God in Psalm 14, 7. Oh, that the salvation, oh, that the Yeshua, oh, that the Jesus, oh, that the salvation of Israel, oh, that the Jesus of Israel were come out of Zion. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. When the Jesus of God comes out of Zion, then the Jews will praise God for the Lord Jesus, and then they'll rejoice and be glad. Then they'll fulfill their name as a Jew. But today, Jews don't know the beauty of their name. So, Gentiles, be a Jew. <laughs> That's what Paul says in Romans 2.29. He is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is not that, uh, circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God, who praises God. A Jew is any person whose praise is of God, who's praising God. A Jew is any person who inwardly praises God. So then it says she left bearing. Verse 35, we learn for Leah, it says she conceived, and then it says, and left bearing. Leah left bearing. Only for a little while, she'll have two more sons and a daughter. So in this chapter 29, we close out, birth of Reuben, he lives 124 years. Birth of Simeon, he lives 120 years. Birth of Levi, he lives 137 years. Birth of Judah, he lives 119 years. Now we come into chapter 30. In chapter 30, we read in the first verse, when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, give me children or else I die. Those first words here now tell us about Rachel. We get to learn about Rachel. It says, Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children. These words, Rachel saw, bring us into the pain that she felt, the pain of infertility. Now, that's the sharpest pain. I have friends, couples, don't have children. That's the sharpest pain of infertility is when a young couple sees their friends having children and they're not having any children. This is where the pain comes in so sharp. And so, so we read, when Rachel saw we can see Rachel, we can see her, what she saw. She, and what happened? She went to envy her sister. Where should Rachel have gone with this question? Be, she should have gone to expand to ask, or, or we can say, where should we go when we see a lot of trouble in our lives? Rachel should have asked the question, is God trying to humble me? What is God trying to humble me from? Am I full of pride 
Is God trying to remove pride from me? So we see Rachel, we see ourselves. Because Rachel, she's in the business of becoming proud. That came natural for her. We like Rachel, we're in the business of becoming proud. We don't need help with that. That comes natural for us. And God saw it wasn't good for Rachel to be proud. So God humbled Rachel by not allowing her to have children. God was humbling Rachel. That's what God does. God sees it's not good for us to be proud. God humbles us by allowing some problems in life. God humbles us. We're in the priding business. God's in the humbling business. Very simple. But Rachel, she doesn't accept this humbling from God. Instead, we read that rather than see anything wrong with her, she now envies her sister. She's jealous over her sister. She envies her sister because her sister has the honor of having children and the pleasure of nursing children. And envy is a grief to mind, and it was a grief to her. It's an, envy is an obsession of thinking about another person and being grieved because something good is happening to them. And that's what we see in Rachel. She's obsessed with thinking about her older sister, Leah. And she's grieved to think of the good that's happened to Leah of having children nursing them. And envy is offensive to God. It's offensive to God. God hates envy. Now, the next words we read, Rachel envies her sister and says unto Jacob, give me children or else I die. See, Rachel envies her sister and says to Jacob, how does that work? (laughs) How does that work? If Rachel envied her sister, why is she taking it out on Jacob? (laughs) That's what envy does. Envy is a hatred that spreads like an amoeba. And Rachel is childless. She's envious, but she brings in this tension between her and, and her husband Jacob. This is in contrast to Rebecca. When Rebecca was childless, there was no tension between Rebecca and Isaac. But here, because Rachel is envious of Leah, who has children, Rachel introduces this tension between herself and her husband and Jacob. And because of envy, Rachel cannot live peaceably with anyone around her. Rachel, because of envy, Rachel cannot live peaceably with Leah. Because of envy, Rachel cannot live peaceably with Jacob. Because of envy, Rachel is defiling a lot of people. As it says in Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And if you went to go talk to, you went to go look at Rachel now, you'd see one troubled woman. Look at Saul, look at David, look at Jonathan. Saul envied David, became an obsession for him. Why? Because God chose David to be king. And Saul wanted to be king. And Saul didn't rejoice that David was chosen. Saul wanted to kill David because Saul envied David. And by contrast, Jonathan, who was slated to become king, he was son of Saul, but he didn't envy. Jonathan rejoiced that David was going to be king, even though that he was not going to be king. And David didn't envy Saul. David rejoiced that Saul was king and honored him and called him several times. He's the anointed of the Lord, even though Saul was trying to kill him. Now, what do we see here? At the heart of envy is selfishness. So when you look at this verse, what two words in verse one show you that Rachel is selfish? Two words. 
two words in verse 1 that show that Rachel is selfish. What are the words? Give me. <laughs> That's selfish, by the way. Give me. It's all about what Rachel wants. Rachel has also come to a crossroads in life, and she's staying at the crossroads, and Rachel sees one road that's marked selfishness, give me. Give me children or else I die. And Rachel sees the other road, selflessness, and by that road, God could have put Romans 12, 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice. See, if Rachel went down that road, she would be happy for Leah. She would rejoice for Leah, who's rejoicing over having children. Rachel will say, oh, Leah, my dear sister, mazel tov. She'd say, I'm happy for you. These are my precious nephews. Wonderful. Hmm? But instead, Rachel is hateful because she's not giving birth. But actually, from a biblical perspective, Rachel is giving birth. She's giving a lot of birth. Because it says in James 1.15, when lust hath conceived, it brings forth, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Lust for having children conceived in Rachel, and it brought forth sin, the sin of hatred and envy. And then sin, when it is finished, brought forth death. Rachel died in her bitterness. As it says about her, she was actually giving birth in Genesis 35, 18, and it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, son of my sorrow, but his father called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. So Rachel died having her second child, and as she was having him, she was cursing the child for causing her all the sorrow. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. So Rachel became envious, she became jealous of her sister, and she unjustly took a shot at Jacob. Now, if you were to describe an emotion that Rachel was filled with, what would that emotion be? Anger. anger. Clearly, anger. You know, most marital problems stem from anger. Anger is the root of marital problems. Now, Rachel says to Jacob, give me children or else I die. All right, she says to Jacob, give me children or else I die. Is that logical? <laughs> is that reasonable? For Rachel to ask Jacob for children? No. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, <laughs> he loved her. I mean, it's illogical. You know what that shows? Anger is not logical. Anger is not reasonable. Most marital problems stem from anger, and anger is not logical or reasonable. Anger has no logic. Anger has no reason to it, which is why marital counseling doesn't work. Because marital counseling relies on logic and reason to resolve marital problems. But marital problems stem from anger, and anger is not logical or reasonable. Anger says, give me children or else I die. That's why marital counseling goes nowhere, because marital counseling is horizontal, relying on logic and reason. Maybe I'll just get you to see how illogical you are, how unreasonable. Rachel, I just want you to see how illogical you are. <laughs> you think she'd listen? Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> The only goal for people going to marital counseling is not to learn how they are wrong. They don't walk into marital counseling and say, show me how wrong I am. <laughs> the only goal for marital counseling is to tell the other spouse why he's wrong or why she's wrong. Marriages need the Lord Jesus to be Lord because that's what resolves marital conflicts and problems. It's not a marriage counselor telling angry people to be logical and reasonable because angry people are illogical and irreasonable. 
They say things like, give me children or else I die. When married people submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and make him God of their lives, then they fulfill the meaning of baptism, which is I go under the water, I die with the Lord Jesus Christ, I die to my wants, my desires, and then I rise up, I'm alive now to the wants and desires of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, and if the Lord has a desire for Jacob to be married to Leah, then Jacob needs to be baptized. He needs to symbolically go under the waters of baptism, die to his personal wants and desires for Rachel against Leah, and symbolically rise up out of the waters of baptism and alive to the personal wants and desires of the Lord Jesus, love Leah. The same is true for Rachel. Rachel died to her personal wants and desires and became alive to the, the wants and desires of the Lord Jesus. We wouldn't have this, give me, this talk of give me children or else I die. But without that important death to self, a new life in the Lord Jesus, then if Rachel and Jacob went to a marriage counselor, he would say, what's the problem in your marriage? And Rachel would say, Jacob won't give me children, now I'm going to die. And so tell him he's wrong to not give me children, and I'll stop being angry. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob would have said, Rachel's blaming me for what God has done to her. So tell her that she's wrong. And then I'll, she'll stop being angry, and I'll stop being angry. See, all this, is that's what happens. All right. Now, when you look at verse 1, is Rachel asking for one child? No. She says children, doesn't she? It's very significant that Rachel did not say, give me a child. She said, give me children. See, Rachel did not say to Jacob, give me a child, because one child was not enough for Rachel. Why not? An infertile mother would be happy with just one child. She could know the joy of raising a child. And, and why wouldn't Rachel have been happy with just one child? Yeah, because Leah had more than one child. And she had to have more than one child. And that's why she said, give me children, and not give me a child. This is really not about Rachel's love for a child. This is really not about Rachel's desire to be a mother. This is all about an envious, hateful competition between Rachel and her sister Leah. If Leah had 10 children, Rachel wants 11 children. How fortunate for you to be one of those 11 children. (laughs) For Rachel, this was all about a fierce competition. Children were just a means for her to get back at her sister. How would you like to have a mother like that? (laughs) How'd you like to know that your mother really didn't want you because she loved you, but she wanted you as another jab at her sister. Boy, welcome to the home of Jacob. <laughs> now, what did Rachel mean when she said to Jacob, give me children or else I die? What was she, she going to die from? I mean, you know, should we put her on suicide watch? <laughs> Is that what this she's saying here? Well, she's not saying that she's going to commit suicide. What she's saying is that she's going to die from this anguish of spirit inside of her. She's going to worry herself to death. You know, not having children was going to shorten her days. She preferred death to life. She doesn't have the will to live anymore. To live without children was like, was like hell on earth, and she'd rather not. She'd rather just die. That's what she's saying. I mean, Rachel has really let this problem get to her. She has let this problem drive her into a state of despairing of life. And when we see Rachel here, this is a challenge for us to ask ourselves the question, how much do we let circumstances get to us? How far will we let these dilemmas of life drive us? How much are we willing to hold on to and not give up to God? 
When we see Rachel say, give me children or else I die, we see desperation. And it's this desperation that drives her to a desperate proposition, my maid. Rachel let herself get that desperate. How much do we let ourselves get that desperate? Why did Rachel get that desperate? Because she was impatient. Rachel was impatient. Impatience is the mother of many sins. When we see Rachel in verse 1 say, give me children or else I die, we see in Rachel, when we see her say that, we say, I, in Rachel, I meet the works of the flesh. Here they come, all bundled up in one, one pretty package. We don't see the fruits of the Spirit. I mean, think of Rachel and how you meet the works of the flesh and not the, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit. As I read to you that list from Galatians 5.19, where it says, Now the works of the flesh, now the works of Rachel, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, all part of the my made proposition. Idolatry, witchcraft. Later we'll see her stealing idols from her father. Hatred, variance, emulations, rife, straps, seditions. Rachel versus Leah. Heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, such like, other which I tell you before as I have told you in the time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there's no law. Somehow, in verse 1 here, in, in seeing Rachel, we're not seeing love, joy, and peace. We're not seeing long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, and temperance. Now, we read in verse 2, Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. That's what it says. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. We say, what? Jacob's angry at Rachel? <laughs> Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel? Is this the same Jacob that kissed Rachel at the well when he first saw her and wept his heart out over her? Is this the same Jacob who couldn't live without Rachel and gladly gave seven years of hard labor to have her? Is this the same one we just read about in verse 20 and Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her? That's the same Jacob who worked another seven years, 14 years of his life, Jacob's anger is kindled against Rachel. That's the same person? Okay, what happened? What happened from the verse 20, all the love he had to her, and, and well, what happened is this great word that the Bible uses, kindled. <laughs> kindled. Boy, could there be a more graphic, descriptive word than that? Kindled to portray what happened. Jacob, all of a sudden, hates Leah. I mean, he, hates, he already hated Leah, and being married to Leah really frustrated him. But now, Rachel's envy and her hatred for Leah was way more than Jacob's hatred of Leah. And so Rachel's hatred of Leah, it really got to Jacob. It just got under his skin. And then we see, and we see Rachel turn against Jacob with her classic, give me children or else I die. That lit the fire. That kindled the fire. And Jacob couldn't take it any longer. And Rachel, now blaming Jacob for not giving her children, that was one jab too many. And he just couldn't take it. So blaming Jacob, that was just too much. A 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor. That's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor, at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, israelrestoration.org.